0: Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. It's our prayer that this message is an inspiration to you, that it builds you up, that it stirs your faith right now in your today, as well as in the days to come. We believe that God has great things for you. God bless you. I got a word, I'm gonna finish up this series, right? Am I finishing up the series today on Noah? Uh, Return to Cinder. Return to sender you guys have been on a series and I want to just I want to end this i want to conclude this it is a privilege and an honor for me to always come to Cornerstone Church and Use my gift as a blessing. I love I love pastors. I love my bishop. I love Pastor Kathy and uh, My gift is theirs and so I'm here to serve you in any capacity Uh, before before I get going because I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 8. Because we're going to be talking about Noah, that's why. And Noah's in chapter 8 of Genesis. There was a presence of God here that was, that was here. And there's some, I don't know who it was, but there's some people have been having problems with their digest, digestive system, the abdominal place. I saw the hand of the Lord touching you. I don't know who and where you are at, but I, I see God bringing adjustment to your di- digestive system. Somebody also that's been having chronic pain in their neck and has been given some headaches on the backside. I saw the hand of the Lord also touching that. And before I go to this young lady right here in the red, you just stand for me. I don't even know your name. But the Lord remembers you this morning. And the prayers you prayed about three weeks ago concerning your situation. The Lord says, daughter, I've got that and I'm going to make the crooked way straight. I'm going to make the rough way smooth i'm going to bring the low places high and i'm going to bring everything that has been high that has tried to attack itself and attach itself to you in fact you have felt it even in your body and the father says today that he releases and breaks the spirit of infirmity that has tried to attach itself to your body and from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet what i'm telling you is the truth Yeah, and there's healing right now. If you just take a deep breath, there's the power of God. I release that to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And what God is whispering right now, what he told you three weeks ago, in the time of your prayer you're gonna see it unfold watch by the end of August in the beginning of September things are going to transition for you and there is going to be an elevation and a promotion I don't even know what you do but the hand of God has heard your prayer and just like he heard Hannah's prayer of old he has heard your prayer and he he is remembering you in this season God has not forgotten you you have felt almost like a Christmas present underneath a Christmas tree that had no name but the Lord says I'm re I'm, I'm putting a name on it and I'm giving it I'm giving her as a as a present to somebody that will unwrap the gift that you are and many will see it in the days to come but know that God this day comes and heals you and he comes to elevate you and promote you in this season I release that to you in the name of Jesus no more torments in the night season no more tormenting things in the night season no more turning and tossing he gives his beloved sweet sleep and he says I got this daughter I got this in this season watch what I do. I'm going to begin to make everything that has been rough, smooth, every crooked thing straight on your behalf, set the spirit of God's grace. Come on. If you believe that, give God a hand clap. If you're, if you're in Genesis chapter eight, I'm going to read a portion of scripture and then I'm going to just do whatever I do. You got to, you get to do whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, Genesis chapter eight. Verse 20, I'm going to read three, three verses or two verses. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself. You got to get this. Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took of every clean animal and of every clean bird, and then he offered the burnt offerings of the Lord. And then the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And while the earth remains... There's gonna be sea time and harvest. There's gonna be cold and there's gonna be heat. Summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Now what you gotta understand is that God spoke to himself after he smelled the sweet aroma. After Noah had built an altar and took up the animals and offered it to the Lord he smelled the sweet savor king james aroma and then god began to speak to himself it's not anything that he wrote down it's not everything that he said he said to himself never again will i do this to man and to everything that is living and as long as the earth remains there's going to be sea time and harvest cold, heat, summer, winter, day, and night shall never cease. Heavenly Father, help me make sense to your people. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I ask that you would take the words that proceed out of my lips of clay and that you would cause them to be easy to be understood that even a baby could understand. And I ask, Lord God, somehow, somewhere, that your presence would come and, and mingle and saturate and inundate us so that there could be transformation by the teaching and preaching of your word. And Father, we allow the Holy Spirit to hover and move how he wishes, whether it's a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, a miracle, whatever, Father, you want to do, we submit ourselves today. And this morning, and everybody who believed that, come on, said amen, and amen. It's very important that we understand corporate anointing. This is not my sermon. It's just, it's an exhortation before I because my sermon is only two minutes long. But anytime that you come into corporate anointing, you have to understand that what you do affects all. Okay? It's about when we come into these doors it's not necessarily about i know we're citizens of the united states of america but a lot of times is when you come this becomes an embassy of the kingdom of god and so regardless of where you're from regardless of what ethnic group you're come you come from regardless of what color you are honestly when it come when you come into the embassy you are citizens now of the kingdom and the, the best way i can explain this is uh is that if you understand pheasant hunting or hunting dogs there's some dogs called pointers and a lot of times you hunt in three or four five and there's pointers and when you're pheasant hunting um, a lot of times one dog will go on point you know they go on point and the rest of the dogs even though they haven't smelled the pheasant they automatically go on point It's called honoring the point. So when one dog goes on point and smells it, the rest of them honor his nose and his ability to smell. And they all go on point. Now, what I'm trying to say is, if dogs get it, when we come to the body of Christ and there's somebody that begins to sense and smells the presence of God, and you see somebody like Jason on his knees, even though you don't smell it, you have to learn to honor the point. And when you honor the point, even though you don't understand or haven't smelled, he smelled something. And when everybody can just honor the point, what happens is God honors and there's an increase and the corporate anointing is increased. Now, I'm saying that for a reason because we have to be sensitized in this hour. In the middle of a pandemic, it has desensitized us from the presence of God. And now we become aware of our surroundings. But I'm telling you, we are Christians. We are born again, uh, uh, blood-bought believers where we must understand the power power of the corporate anointing because when we come into church we have to re- we have to release come on and let go of whatever is hindering us and we have to come in and be like those Dogs come on, and we must smell. Come on, smell the presence of God. We must come and build an atmosphere so that the presence of God can be ever present. So that there could be a move of God. We're wanting moves of God, but there is something that moves God. Ah, it's people that know a contrite heart, a people that understand that they can come and worship Him in spirit and in truth, and come together in unity and unify. Come on, their their. hearts and their, and their worship to the Lord. And there's something about that, that as God begins to amplify, there's something about that where God's presence becomes amplified and mingled with fire, and you begin to see all kinds of things. And then a move of God begins to happen. A move of God just don't happen. There has to be something, an atmosphere. We sang about it, but I'm tired of singing about it. We must be participants in this move of God. Why? Because this rude awakening, come on, the pandemic has been a rude. Rude awakening but it is a root awakening for a great awakening and God's people have to be awakened to the reality of what is in them so that they can release it so that we can display and dispense God's presence because wherever his presence is oh there's fullness of joy uh, wherever his presence is if you can create a presence whether in the church house or in your own individual houses I declare to you that depression will leave I'm telling you in front will leave. I'm telling you malady will leave. All kinds of malfunction will leave. Disease will be cursed simply when you understand that I am the temple of the Holy Ghost but when we come together I'm a member in particular and I can come to the house of the Lord and I find I'm a bone. Come on, connecting to another bone and the Spirit of God will breathe in by and through us and we will rise up and resurrect to a new state of being and a reality where God says anything is possible with my people when i am present god is not seven miles north of mars somewhere he is inside of you it is christ in you the hope and reality of glory and we must come to the reality of that in this season that we live in now let me start my sermon because in proverbs in proverbs like i said my sermon is only two minutes long Proverbs says I have not ha, have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and of knowledge To make you know the certainties of the words of truth Did you get that? I, uh, he says haven't I have I not written to you excellent things in counsels and in knowledge so that you may know the certainties of truth when I was 20 years of age, the Lord showed me this scripture and it opened my eyes up so that every time that I see the Bible, I realize that God's truth is laid out in three dimensions. The word excellent there, I write to you excellent things, it's, it's, the, it's the Hebrew word for threefold things. I write to you threefold things in, in knowledge and in counsel so that you may understand the certainties of truth. What he's saying is, everything that I do, I lay all of the truth laid out in three dimensions. Paul will get a hold of this. I'm I'm good. Paul will get a hold of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is what he says. He says, I want to show you a more excellent way of ministry. And so he writes chapter 13, and all of us know that 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter of love. And so the more excellent way is is of love. And at the end of chapter 13, this is what he says. He says, here abideth these three, faith, hope, and love. And the, the greatest of these is love. And so there's a pattern here there's a pattern here if truth is laid out in three dimensions and it is then when Paul says here abideth faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love or I can say that the third of the threes is the greatest now follow me because when you understand that when I go back to the beginning when God is, re- is trying to take a people out of Egypt only to take them through a wilderness so that he can bring them into a promised land there's three dimensions of his truth you've got to get out of Egypt You can't stay there because God never created Egypt to be your inheritance. And by the way, he's going to put sandals on your feet, come on, so that you don't have to, that your soul does not touch the soil of the wilderness so that because wherever your soul treads, I've given that to you. And God never intended for God's children to inherit the desert you're you're gonna it's kind of like uh what what david said you know about uh uh, the valley of the shadow death. we're gonna go through the valley of the shadow death. you're gonna walk through this desert and this wilderness because that is not your inheritance what is your inheritance is a promised land so you have to understand that the third dimension of god's grace is the greatest there was three anointings in the old testament there was that of the prophet that of the priest and that of the king a king, listen, if you were a wicked king, Jeremiah, you read Jeremiah and you see the frustration because they had a righteous priest and they had a righteous prophet, but they had a wicked king. So you could, so the prophet could get the word of the Lord and the priest could administer the word of the Lord. But if you had a wicked king, what he did was he told Jeremiah, write it on a scroll. And then he wrote it on the scroll, the word of the Lord. And then he put the scroll inside the furnace. He didn't want, the king did not want to hear the word of the Lord that's why there was fire shut up in his bones in jeremiah it's like fire shut up in your bones listen when you got the word of the lord like fire shut up in your bones that's not a good thing that means there's no king to execute and demonstrate the word of the lord you're frustrated these prophetic the prophet the priest and the king all obviously go into three rivers In fact, John chapter 7, verse 38, it says, It'll be in you rivers of living water. That's the prophetic river that that is with us always. As long as you have the Holy Spirit, you have a river. And I don't got time to preach on a river, but the river will shape you. And a river will create dams that will produce electricity and Ah, uh, that's a whole sermon in itself. But there's a prophetic river that lives and abides on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, is also, also a priestly river. You find that in Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, there is a river that flows from the sanctuary. That's the priestly river. But if you go to Revelation 22, there is a river that flows from the throne. So that's the kingly river. And you can keep on going, and, 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 and so you see that, 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 that when Paul writes about the kingdom, he says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. The third of the threes is the greatest, man. I'm here to just to tell you there's principles that when you understand, when I when I prepare, listen, for a word, or I see that God's truth is always laid out in three dimensions. And so you see that when, when you understand that. I mean, the kingdom of God is righteous, peace and joy is laid out. Jesus said, come on, if you want to know me, remember, remember when Philip says, hey, show us the Father? And he says, what do you mean? You, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he says, well, jesus goes on and says, well you you know the way he says, well i I don't know who the way jesus says i'm the way i'm the truth and i'm the life there's the three dimensions and you, you start seeing that that even jesus has to go through through some of this that when he comes to the cross there has to be a death a burial and a resurrection the third of the threes is the greatest yeah and so you understand now that when Jesus even gets in trouble, and you notice that any time that Jesus ever felt like he was in trouble, he'd say, hey, Peter, James, John, come with me. And you start seeing the certainties of truth laid out in three dimensions. In fact, when God gives you a dream and God gives you a prophecy, when God gives you a vision, even that goes through three kinds of stages. When you get a dream and God speaks to you and you think, my God, this is the vision God has given me or the dream or a prophetic word, I'm telling you that that dream will go through a distress, number one. Then it goes through a development, number two. And then it goes through a demonstration in that order. And if you don't understand the order of the certainties of truth, then you will grow weary in your well-doing. But if you know when God speaks to you, it's amazing right away that the enemy comes to try to bring distraction and distraction becomes the breeding ground to deception. I have got time. That's another sermon. But the reality is, is you have to stay focused because when you stay focused, then your faith is attached to what God has said that when you go through tight times and you go through troubled times and you go through valley experiences, you know that you can tie the rope of hope around you because you know, listen to me, that the faith I had to, when I got the word, but hope was when I had to live out and walk out the word to bring me to a place, my God, where I could see love, where love is the manifestation of what God spoke. When you see a seed... There's nothing more powerful on the planet than a seed. If God wants to give you something, he gives you a seed. We want the fullness of it. Only one time in history that God ever create everything in fullness, and that was at the beginning. Everything else he gives in seed form. But even a seed has the process of three stages. The first stage, it has to break out of itself. That's the toughest stage. And number two, it has to break out of the ground. And the third breaking is the third, is the greatest breaking in that it breaks out into fruit. So you see that God wants to establish the certainties of truth through the three dimensions that he has. Now I say that because Joseph, and I'm almost there, I said my sermon is only two minutes long. Joseph will get a hold of this, and Joseph will go through three coats. The first coat the first coat, guess what? His daddy gives it to him. The coat of many colors, coveted by his brothers. So much that they are so jealous that they want to kill him mm-hmm, so, so that they can find the same favor that's on Joseph. They're just jealous. But God intended for his brothers to, to, to strip him of his coat because God had greater coats for him to walk in because he was purposed not just to rule over his father's house. So, if he wouldn't have got stripped and sold by the Ishmaelites to the Egyptians, I'm telling you, and Potiphar began to buy him he would have been satisfied living and ruling over his father's house. I got news for some of you because some of your havoc has been within the four walls of your own family and not even known that God has intended for them to strip you of your coat because God never intended just to rule over your father's house. Somebody put your hands together right there because what God has in store for you is far greater than your father's house. God wants to bring you to regional places. Oh, yes, where you can rule over the affairs of other people and when you become listen a good steward over the affairs of other people and other people's property and other people's money what happens is that that coat will be stripped and we know uh potiphar's wife was in love with the egyptian and so she we know the story he gets falsely accused gets puts in prison gets stripped of his coat and that was even that was god endued Because he would have been satisfied just doing that. But how many know that he was faithful with his gift? He was faithful in his gift in his low times and in his high times. He was able to to prophesy to the butler and the baker. Oh, yes, and the butler and the baker. My God, he spoke life to one and death to the other. And if you don't understand Joseph, Joseph for a long time, I said, How in the world, how in the world? We'll get to know in a minute. Joseph, he says, how in, the wor- how in the world do you speak life to one and death to the other until I realized that the butler and the baker had the same dream? It was two dreams that were the same kind of dream. The dream was about three days and a hanging. Three days and a hanging. You read it. And any time that you talk about three days and a hanging, one, must, one man must die so that the other man can live and so you realize that even then in the Old Testament God was speaking of himself and the cross of what he would do for humanity that but the butler the butler lives that's the, that's the wine that's the flow that's the spirit but the, but the, but, but, but the, the one who was the baker that's the bread how many of know Jesus was the bread of heaven he was, the, he, he, he was the baker he was the one from heaven who was the bread of heaven that had to give himself up so that the butler could live but it was the butler after a year had gone by when joseph said remember me it was but and this this is a prophetic word i'm about ready to prophesy because the butler came and when when pharaoh asked is there anybody here that can interpret my dream and the butler remembered about joseph who interpreted his dream there's a man in prison who interpreted my dream and it came to pass and he says call him forth and he had to strip himself of his garment. He had to strip himself and shave. And he presented himself to the king. And guess what? He got the ring and he got a code to rule over all of Egypt. The third of the three is the greatest. I'm trying to tell you the third of the threes is the greatest I'm trying to give you a principle because now I come to my story I come to my story and it says right here that that Noah found favor in the eyes of God and he found favor in the eyes of God that God says I'm tired of humanity they're corrupt and they're evil and they're constantly doing evil but I have found grace you you have found grace in my eyes you're a righteous man Noah and I'm needing you to go ahead and build me an because it's going to rain. You got to imagine it hadn't rained up to that point. Rain? What's rain? What's rain? I, I all, all I know is a little mist. All I know is a little dew. But I don't know no rain. It's going to rain. Do you believe that? There's going to be raindrops. They're going to keep falling on your head. They keep falling. And so when you understand that, not only am I going to cause it to rain, I'm going to cause there to be the fountains of the deep to break open in the earth where there's going to be water coming out from the earth and water coming from the heavens. And what I'm going to do is it's going to be a baptism. And I'm going to baptize. Is any time there's a baptism, there's a death that has to happen. And so this is significant and symbolic what I'm doing, Noah. You're a man called Rest. Noah's name means rest and I need a man of rest come on who is faithful or full of faith to begin to build me an ark. And so we know that God causes Noah to build an ark. And he says, "And this is how you're going to build it. You're going to build it. It's going to be 30, it's going to be 30 by 50 by 300. It's going to be 300 cubits long, it's going to be 50 cubits wide, and it's going to be 30 cubits high. 30 by 50 by 300 jesus threes 30 is the number of maturity it's also the number of the blood 50 is the number of the anointing it's pentecost 300 is the is the number of the cross it's divine completeness the cross brought divine completeness so the ark speaks of jesus who at 30 years of age was mature enough now to be baptized into the waters of baptism And now the the dove begins to descend on him. And now everywhere he goes for three and a half years, he's going to go about doing good, healing all them that are sick and oppressed of the devil. Are Are you getting this? And he's the anointed one now. God brings and releases the anointing. Come on. And by the blood on the cross, he's going to bring divine completeness to all humanity. This was symbolic in the book of Genesis, what he would eventually do to humanity when he came on the planet. Who am I talking to? So you say, okay, 30 by 50 by 300. Then we keep going because then it says that, that he, the, this, the, it began to rain and it began to lift the ark. And the ark was lifted 40 days and 40 nights. And it says, and the waters began to recede because God had remembered Noah. And when God remembers you, things began to work for you instead of against you. He begins to remember Noah because he knows Noah is a righteous man and Noah, listen, he was faithful. Can you, can you imagine being faithful, preaching for 120 years and only getting eight people saved? But thank God for Noah. I mean, preaching for 120 years and all you got was eight people saved. Oh, we would have said, oh, you're a failure in our society today because we're so number driven. I think numbers are important. In fact, it's so important God wrote a book called Numbers. But nevertheless, sometimes we look at things and we think they're, no, God knew exactly what he was doing. Noah found grace and God remembered Noah and the waters begin to recede. And I'm just telling you a story here because I'm telling you that when you understand that this ark, as the waters begin to recede, the Bible says that the ark rested on a mountain called Ararat. Now, Ararat is nothing unless you look it up. When I looked up Ararat in the Hebrew, I found out that Ararat means the curse is in reverse. Come on, somebody. What are you trying to say? When the ark comes and is left on the mountain... The mountain of Ara could have been on any mountain, but no. It was the mountain where the curse is in reverse. What are you saying? I'm saying that Jesus Christ is the ark and he came to rest on Golgotha's hill. And it is at Golgotha's hill where, come on, the curse was in reverse, baby. And when the curse is in reverse, you understand come on, the everlasting covenant. The everlasting covenant came to deal with your will. It came to deal with your mind. It came to deal with your work. It came to deal with your walk. It came to deal with your fellowship. It came to open up the heavens where we're without excuse. We enter now into the realms of the heavens by one. We have a right to the Father by one spirit. Come on, Colossians 2 or one 18. And we have access to him. So we're without excuse. There is no demon of hell. There is no principality or power that can keep you from the presence of God. You can get into the presence of God anytime you want to. And I got good news, Cornerstone, that when you understand the power of your everlasting covenant and God has reversed the curse once, and for all, you have some rights in the kingdom of God. I don't know who I came to preach to today, but I got news that the devil is in trouble. There's not a pandemic that can keep my praise, there's not a pandemic that can keep my worship down, there's not a pandemic, a political uh, uh, campaign, because this has never been about the agenda of the elephant or the agenda of the donkey. This has always been about the agenda of the lamb, baby. And as long as we put first things first and we create 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 a place of presence and we create something where God can work with. We're about ready to see, come on, an outpouring, an awakening that will proceed something that is totally radically awesome. If you believe that, put your hands together in this, come on, in this Presbyterian church uh, and come on, put your hands together and say, Yeah. Come on, where's your praise? Where's your praise? Where is your don't let so now have a seat as he now comes and in the, in, in the ark is rested upon the mountains of Ararat where the curses reverse. Now he hears the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord is now let every living thing come out of the ark. And so before he does that, he says, I got to take a raven because I got to find out if there's this still dead flesh On the waters so he releases the raven and the raven doesn't come back because he doesn't come back is because there's dead flesh still to be eaten they don't survive on living prey ravens survive on dead things so he releases the dove here comes the three and he releases the dove he releases that dove and that dove doesn't find a resting place for his soul because all there is is dead things and doves can't rest on anything that is dead so he comes back to Noah and Noah waits another seven days and he waits seven days and he grabs the same dove and he opens the window that is in the third loft and he releases the dove again And the dove this time finds a resting place on an olive branch. And he has a fresh plucked olive branch in his beak. And he comes back to the ark to let no one know that the waters have receded. And it's about time for them to come out of the ark. And so he takes the third. The third time he releases the dove The third of the threes is the greatest. Simply he takes the same dove and releases it into the window of heaven. And now you don't ever see the dove again because you see the dove flying from Genesis through Exodus all the way to Malachi and when you see the dove again you find him in the book of Matthew where he begins to rest on Jesus who is the olive branch and I declare to you in this season that the olive branch is still alive and well oh yes he is because now he doesn't live on people he lives in people the greatest thing that God ever did was that he gave us the power to ascend the ascension when Jesus ascended thank god for death thank god for burial thank god for resurrection but thank god when he ascended because when he ascended come on he gave us his holy spirit the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. show I'm gonna tell you how powerful you are church the same spirit not a different spirit the same spirit the same spirit that was with God from the beginning who said let there be light the one who created the galaxies the one who created all creation the one who speaks life into it come on I'm telling you it's the very spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives and abides and quickens your mortal body and I declare to principalities and powers to remove the lying spirit from God's people that God's people have got to get a hold of the Holy Spirit we've got to get in a relationship with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit ain't a dove the Holy Spirit ain't wind the Holy Spirit ain't fire the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in those but the Holy Spirit is a person and when you come into alignment with the person of the Holy Spirit he begins to empower you he begins to shape you he begins to form you he begins to elevate you it begins to increase you it begins to multiply you who am I talking to in this place there's got to be a generation of people that hear the sound of my voice that develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit we need to say Holy Spirit come hallelujah I'm almost there I'm almost there every living thing has to come out now now that the waters have receded and the, and the curse is in reverse, even in Genesis, you see the New Testament being lived out through the patriarchs. The curse is in reverse now, every living thing. And Noah comes out first, and the seven others in his family, and then all of the animals. Now, can you imagine the animals? And you think, well, there's some, but the Lord told me one time when I was reading this, he goes, oh no, we look at us part of Noah and his family. He goes, no, that was the eight operations of the Holy Spirit, of the apostle and the prophet and the teacher and miracles, helps, governments, and diversity of tongues. He says, that was in the ark. The animals was the personalities of my people. Okay. Maybe you know skunk. A skunk is a well-known animal for its repulsive smelly spray. When disturbed, will turn around, emit a foul odor from their tail, and then they leave. You know anybody like that? Come on, how about a frog, a frog? A frog has a large head, small body, small brains, who use their tongue to catch their prey and they hop from church to, church. I mean from spot to spot. Any of you know some frogs? Oh, turtles, Bishop Pitts loves turtles. They're toothless animals who withdraw into their shell when confronted. They're very slow and harmless and live a long time to torment you. (laughs) Elephants have very long trunks, always sniffing and examining things that don't belong to them. They're very unforgiving and have a long memory if you ever cross them. Woodpeckers. Okay, preachers know woodpeckers. I'm not talking to anybody here. It's just the church down the road maybe, okay? Woodpeckers. A bird who drills holes in living foliage. Peck peck peck, peck peck peck. Peck peck peck, peck peck peck. peck. Gossip, 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 back back, back 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 back. Most pastors are holy not because of prayers and consecration, but because of woodpeckers in the church. Wow. Moving right along, moving right along, Sally. Moving right along drafts, long necks, always poking their heads in everybody's business. Peacocks found in a dry forests, usually in small groups, consisting of one male and several females. They rarely fly. They run from danger. The male fans his feathers in a, in, in a colorful way to show his pride. We don't know anybody like that. Now. Porcupines. Lord Jesus, I might get in trouble for this one. But porcupines, have a, they, they strike their opponent by striking them with a quail. How many have had friends, business people, bosses as porcupines? They have a lot of good points, but you just can't get close to them and you have to approach them like two porcupines make love very carefully move move move, 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 move right along because Noah had to deal come I'm taking license here but nevertheless the curse was in reverse and God still loved people where they were at and so he commanded every living thing to come out. And what I want to get to now, I'm at my sermon. Here's two minutes. Give me two minutes here, and I'll land. Because now it says that Noah, the first thing he built was an altar. He didn't build a city. He didn't build a house. He didn't build a toilet. He didn't build a. He didn't build you know a commercial. Pro- he, he built an altar. Before he built a city and a house and a business, he built, come on, before he even built the vineyard, he built an altar. I said he built an altar. Now, you got to understand that Noah built an altar, and the Bible says, and then he took of the animals, and then he offered them up. There's the threes again. So anytime that you build God an altar, and you take from the animals, and you offer it up, as a burnt offering to the Lord, God can't help himself. Now, it's amazing to me because three generations will go by. You can play now just softly. Three generations will go by. Noah will give birth to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham, the middle son, will have a son named Cush, And Cush will give birth to a young man called Nimrod. It's only three generations deep into this. They were taught by Noah, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, and how to build altars. But he had heard the story of his grandfather, Ham, how God had caused it to rain and how the fountains of the deep began to boil up and how God called his father, his great-grandfather Noah, to build an ark. And God graced them to put all these animals just suddenly came in. It was a supernatural. It's like as God, as as my, my dad began to build it, these animals started coming in two by twos and seven by seven. It was just incredible how they knew exactly where to go and exactly where to be. And Nimrod is hearing it. And instead of Nimrod building an altar in his generation, he builds a tower. He builds a tower because he was saying, I want to be the smart one. I want to make sure I build a tower that if God ever gets angry with humanity again, that we we can protect ourselves from. Really? We know eventually that that tower becomes the Tower of Babel and you could see that Babylon becomes influential in the lives of the children of Israel all the days of Israel's life all the way to you see it fall in the book of Revelation in fact Babylon speaks of religious confusion because religion wants you to build a tower instead of an altar And so Nimrod says, I want to build a tower that I can protect myself from instead of an altar that I can submit myself to. Because when you can submit yourself to an altar, and you give God honor, and you put what is first first, and you give him of your best it's not necessarily that God wants your best. And it's not necessarily this. God does not want your lame. He doesn't want your sick and blind. That was Malachi chapter 1. Their fault was they were giving God what was God was requiring them. But they were giving God the lame, the blind, and the sick. And God says, where is my honor? If, I, if I'm your father, where is my honor? I'm not even asking for your best. I'm asking for your first. I don't want to be second in your life. I don't want to be third. I don't want to have to compete. You don't don't serve God first, as Bishop has always said. You serve God only. And when God is only served, then you uh, you quit building towers to protect yourself from because religion will give you a false sense of hope. And you think you're protected, but I'm telling you the only way to protect you, Cornerstone, in the pandemic that we're living, is that we can submit our lives to an altar. And the first thing that Noah ever did was he came and he built God an altar. It takes time to build an altar. It takes time before I can build me a house, before I can build me a city, before I build me a vineyard, I'm going to build me a, I'm going to build me an altar. Because God deserves my honor. He deserves my honor. He deserves the only thing that I have. And I love it because when God saw that Noah built God an altar he began to speak to himself and said never again will I ever ever bring death to humanity in this way I will never do it and as long as the earth remains there's going to be sea time there's going to be harvest there's going to be night there's going to be night there's going to be day there's going to be winter there's going to be summer there's going to be heat there's going to be cold And I conclude. Worship team, you can come up. But as I conclude, the burnt offering—the first time that is mentioned—is mentioned right here in Genesis eight twenty-two. The the burnt offering was the most common offering in all of Israel's life. It was was the only offering that God got all of it. And most of the offerings, the priest got a chunk. And in the peace offering, you got a chunk. Everybody was blessed because of the offering. But a burnt offering, God got all of it. Nobody got any of it. In fact, it's called the Holocaust offering the hebrew word for burnt offering is the holocaust it was so important that the jews even in hitler's day said, you might have killed six million of us jews but you didn't just kill us we're going to call it a holocaust we're going to call it a burnt offering because we refuse for you just to kill them, just to kill them. We're gonna we're gonna say that you offered them as a living sacrifice so that God no no what you don't understand is the word offer, the word burn offering, the word burn offering in the Hebrew, it speaks of elevation. It, 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 it's, an, it's an offering of your devotion. God is honored when you have a fresh devotion. When you can devote yourself to the Lord, and he sees that not only does he forgive your sin. But he brings now this is the offering that brings elevation it brings increase it brings multiplication it brings restoration that's what the word means it, it, it brings you to a place of resurrection it brings you to the third of the threes where you find life where you find peace and joy where you find elevation and acceleration when you find your devotion this is what i love about noah noah said before before i come out, i'm going to come out and before i build me a vineyard and before i build me a city and a house i got to teach my people's and my i got to teach my sons that before you do anything you build god an altar because he deserves your honor and if we can in this pandemic come on era that we live in we're so busy and we're so busy-bodied, I'm telling you, but if we could ever find ourselves and gather as a man of God and a leader of our house, uh, I'm telling you that we can come to a place and say before I build my house, uh, before I could teach my ch- child to do anything, I'm going to teach him my devotion. I'm going to teach him how to worship. I'm going to teach him how to lift up one hand without wrath and another one without doubt. Uh, and I'm going to give God the honor that is due to his name. Because the moment I do that, I Said the moment that I do that, the moment that I give him my devotion, God will begin to speak to himself. Uh, God will begin to speak to himself concerning you, and he will bring elevation. He will bring multiplication. He will bring resurrection power to your situation and he will bring restoration and I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, this root awakening will not keep me silent it will not keep me silent this 6 foot 4 Mexican will build God an altar all the days of his life for my children my children's children and my children's children to hear about this man put an altar before the Lord and he was devoted to the living God and God saw and not only did he he begins to speak in himself and about me and bring elevation to everything round about me. Church of the living God I come to declare to you and all this great nation and all the world that we have to be people that will build like Noah an altar don't build him a tower do not build him a tower of religion and religiosity your religiosity will not go nowhere but if you build God an altar and you leave your worship there, and you leave your praise there, and you leave your prayer there, and you leave your intercession there, and you leave your petition there, and you leave your decree there, and you leave your declaration there, God will begin to hear your prayer out of the ash heaps of this offering. God will remember you. God remember me God will remember us and we will see the God of the living perform great things in this hour on behalf of a nation on behalf of a world that has ability to serve him and to raise and build an altar so that God can be worshiped I double-dog dare somebody in this place to put your hands together to get a place right by you and build God an altar Build him an altar. I said, build him an altar. I have come all this way to prophesy. Build him an altar. Build him an altar. Build him an altar. Build Build God an altar. Let your prayers be heard. Let your worship be heard. Let your praise be heard. Let your intercession bring forth such exuberant praise. And you will see that God is the God of the living. And he will remember you. He will, He will remember you. We're believing that that word will bring strength and hope into your life. Absolutely, if God just spoke to you through this message and you're stirred right now to partner with us and to sow financially into the ministry that is Cornerstone Church, I wanna encourage you to jump on over to our website, which is simply cornerstone.church and click the Give button, find the avenue that is most convenient for you today. That's right, we are gonna continue spreading the message of the gospel, and we look forward to continuing to connect together.